Welcome back, everybody. It is time for Encounter with God, which means that we are into our 20 million movement Bible study. Fascinating couple of passages. Two stories to look at today that we are going to dig into. So our Bible study today begins in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to do a two-part series. Today and tomorrow, we're going to be talking about Jesus' healing ministry. Mm. And so often when we think about ministry, we think about, you know, we think about soul winning ministry, we think about evangelistic ministry. When Jesus was here, he spent more time healing than he did preaching. Yeah. The bulk of his ministry was actually with healing rather than with preaching. And so we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 9, first seven verses. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. And I'm wondering whether you can uh, share those pass- that passage with us, please. Minnie. I reckon I could. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city, this being Jesus. Then behold, they brought Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Okay, interesting story that we've got right here. Mm -hmm. Uh, If we go to Mark's account of the same story, and we back up a few verses, we get a little bit more context again. I think this is going to be worthwhile. So let's go to Mark chapter 2, and uh, let's go to, let's read the first four verses. So it's going to give us a bit more background information here. Background information is always important when it comes to understanding the Bible. Mm. So uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer any room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Okay, now this is is just a really, really interesting story right here. So you can imagine, you know, first century Capernaum, the streets are very, very narrow Mm. because you don't need to get – you kind of really – on those streets, on a – on a regional town, you really don't need to get much up and down those streets. They're going to be wide enough for a cart or for a chariot in a one-way direction. That's about all. Mm-hmm. These are not, you know, this is not a major metropolis. And so houses are built close together. Then the next thing that you need to picture in your mind is that when they built houses, you know, it's a lot of hard work building a house. If you only have to build three walls, then that's a lot less work. Mm-hmm. And so the houses would jut, would, would, would butt up one against the other. Hey. And so, you know, when you were a young man and mm. you wanted to uh, get married, what you would do is you would go and prepare a house and you would build that house butting up to your father's house. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit like Jesus said, you know, in my father's house, how many mansions I go to prepare a place for you. Mm-hmm. And so when a young man became engaged to his uh, wife-to-be, he would say, I'm going back to my father's house to build a house for you. Mm. And so that whole promise that Jesus gives that right there is is written in marriage language. I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place 
for you. And, you know, the bride would then wait with, you know, great expectation because once that house was finished, then he would come to get his bride and to the wedding ceremony would take place. And, yeah, you'd get to live, uh, if you were uh, back in those days, Minnie, you would get to live... In a house that butts up against your in-law's house. Mm, right different culture, <laughs> different times. Would not recommend it within our culture here in Australia today. Uh, that's, you know, just a little bit too close. But anyway, that was the way it was. You've got all these houses that butt up against each other. Which means that when Jesus starts teaching in the house, you know, the main room of the house would be smaller, definitely no bigger than the room that we are in right now. So how many people do you think we could pick, pick pack into here if it wasn't COVID? Oh, yeah. Mm. At the moment, we're allowed to have four. Maybe like 40, 50? Yeah, and that'd be like... That'd be very, tight. At, at it, 40 or 50 in here... It'd be annoying if you're trying to listen to someone and just standing up. It's like, oh, I just want to sit. It would, uh, it would be very personal. It would. You would be uh, in everybody's it's personal space because experience. you would. It would yeah. <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> Maybe too much bonding. Uh, I've been in crowds like that on occasions, and I probably the only thing that I could relate to that would be uh, a few trains that I've been in on in India. In uh, uh, one in Rio de Janeiro during Carnival. Try oh. that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, or even the the London Tube during. Peak hour. They can get wild, like how really, packed it can be. Really, really wild. Mm. You look at 50 people in front of you and the carriage is full, mm. like as in packed full, <laughs> and then the 50 people in front of you, they just keep pushing, pushing, <laughs> pushing. And so you're just like, well, when in London, do what Londoners do. You jump in there and you just start pushing, 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 and then you grab the doors of the train and you are just using them for leverage to push yourself in and then finally the doors get closed and away you go and you've got your face squished up against the uh, the glass window on the door <laughs> and you are in everybody's very private space. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the kind of picture that it's we've packed. got here. A small room that is packed. <laughs> Uh, there would be an open window in it. There's no glass in that window. It's basically an opening that lets light in and smoke out. And there would be a whole bunch of people packed into that window and packed into the street, and they are trying to hear what Jesus has to say. He's not allowed to speak in the synagogues you know, at this particular mm. time, and so he's teaching in this particular house. The people with the paralyzed man, of course, they're burdened. You know, they've got, They're carrying a stretcher. The guy's, the guy's paralyzed. They're carrying a stretcher. That takes up a lot of space. Mm. This is the kind of thing that, you know, in those streets back then, carrying the stretcher through the street, you're going to have people stepping aside to let you go past on a good day. Mm. They turn the corner. They're, they're not getting anywhere near Jesus. Now, of course, if Jesus had been outside, they would have been like, you know, wave their hand like, hey, over here, you know, come and give us a hand. And Jesus might move through the crowd and, and come over there and see what was going on. But they can't even get close enough to the window hmm. to be able to catch Jesus' attention. And it's kind of like this meeting is going to go on all day. Somewhere along the line, they're like, you know what, we're not going to wait all day. No. Nah. And so you've got to really be super thankful for this guy's friends and he must have had like the best mates ever <laughs> because they're like, let's get up on the roof and we can go from one roof to the next to the next to the next and we can pull up the tiles. 
which is a pretty random thought when you mm. think about it. It's like that's super random. Uh, then, okay, so think about this. They have to find a ladder mm-hmm. and then they have to get a paralysed man oh, up that ladder. So, you know, work health and safety kind of <laughs> out the window, as you can imagine. And that would not be an easy process by any stretch of the imagination. These guys are going, you know, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, etc. mile for their friend. Yeah, fully. Uh-huh. So they, they, they're going to have to do a bit of problem solving, figure out how to get him up there onto the, uh, onto the roof. And then they've got to transport him across very uneven roofs over brittle tiles. So tiles these days, you can kind of count on them not to break when you walk on them. Uh, but back in the day, there's a lot more risk involved in that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so there's a lot more risk involved back in those days. And so they are, you know, working their way across this tiled roof. The tiles hold up, thankfully. They get above where Jesus is. You can imagine Jesus on the inside. They didn't have ceilings in those days. A bit of dust coming down, a bit of dirt coming down from above. Uh, You can always hear somebody clumping around on the roof and it's like, okay. Next minute the tiles start to be removed. Next minute the tiles start to be And tiles are not difficult to lift up even on on a house today. They're very, very simple to, uh, to deal with. And next minute the tiles start coming up. Now, what you often see in... You know, your typical children's book is where they have four people on the roof who lower the guy down on his stretcher. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that happened. Okay. The reason I don't believe that happened is because how do you actually make a space that big? You've got battens between the tiles. Mm. So you, you, can't, they- you can't remove the whole roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think they just lowered him down? Like, I reckon they him. slung a rope under his arms uh, yeah, yeah. and lowered him down through a gap. And so, you know, they're up there on the roof and it's just like... But he has his bed with him because Jesus says, take up your bed. This is an interesting thought. <laughs> You've thrown my theory out the window. <laughs> Minnie, why are you on this radio program? I was having so much fun. Just to keep things interesting. <laughs> Maybe. But they, yeah. It- maybe his bed was his blanket. Mm. And maybe they wrapped his blanket under his arms yep. to lower him down. That would yep. make sense. Yep, yep. All right, so I'm going to stick with my theory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going Allow back to my it. theory. <laughs> ah, so it's his blanket, which is his bed, because that's pretty much what they had for a bed in those days. Mm. Maybe they just took up the whole roof. Tiles, battens, everything. Maybe it was a thatched roof and they just tore everything off. You know what I just imagine? Being the person who owns his house... They'll be their reaction would be one of two things. Oh, okay, you want to see Jesus? So do we? We get it. Or they'd be like, "Hey, put it back, man!" Like, I know. You know, that's my roof. This is the part of the story that's never told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, how did the owner of the house react when the roof got torn off? Yeah, yeah. Now, if it's a tile roof, it's like okay, that's no big deal. Mm. But if they pull battens up, or if they tear thatch off, that's annoying. That's super annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's major. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's going to be all that dirt that's going to be falling down through. So everything's going to get covered in dirt. Yeah, fully. You know, there's going to be kitchen, living room kind of thing combined covered in dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he gets lowered down. So this is the picture. This is the story we have so far. Now, of course, this is going to catch everybody's attention because they're jammed in there like sardines and like, okay, what's going on here? 
this takes place over a process of time. You've got about 10 minutes of you know, rattling around and getting this guy into position. Mm. Yeah. So Jesus is trying to preach a sermon, give a Bible study, whatever, and all of this is happening. So a lot of distractions that are happening. Mm. Needless to say, he's lowered down there. And what is the first thing that Jesus does? Well, he sees their faith. Yes. And he sees the faith of the man who is lowered down. Mm. And, and what he, is the, Yes. And then he says, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Okay. Which is interesting. This is really interesting from a whole bunch of different perspectives. Why do you think Jesus started there? From my understanding of the cultural context, they believed if you had like physical problems, it was because you were clearly a sinner. Exactly. So this was prosperity gospel. Mm. You know, we have the same thing today. Uh, where prosperity and health were a sign of the blessings of God mm. and that if you didn't have that, then, well, you know, the obvious conclusion you come to is that they don't have the blessings of God and if you don't have the blessings of God, then why don't you have the blessings of God? Because you're a sinner. Mm. And, you know, I actually I was talking to a friend a little while ago and we were saying, you know, as humans we like, we like the healing. We like the physical thing, you were this, now you're that. And I was like, you know what, actually probably for Jesus, the thing that is more important is your, your transformed heart. And so I think he speaks into this first because this this actually really matters. Absolutely. Even though culturally there was this massive connection between physical and spiritual, which I actually think sometimes, sometimes there is, but he doesn't speak into the physical first, which sometimes he does, right? Sometimes he goes, I'll meet your spiritual, uh, physical need. You know, you're hungry. Let's do that. This one he's like, no, nah, you need to know something else first. This is it's a very powerful story. It's interesting that you don't find the guy sort of sitting there and going, yeah, thanks, uh, that's great and all, but. Mm. I'm still paralyzed mm-hmm. because the whole time here he's still paralyzed. Yeah, he has been lowered down there for healing. Jesus hasn't healed him. Jesus has forgiven his sins, mm. and you kind of get the impression. I think it comes through very. The implication here is that he was satisfied with that. Mm. He's not piping up. He's not like, "Hey, Lord, can you heal me?" Yeah, None, he's not saying anything. He's just like, "I've been forgiven of my sins." Mm. Wow. And he's just overwhelmed by that and he doesn't say anything. And it's the scribes and the Pharisees who start the conversation because they're like, yeah, only God can do that. And well, okay, <laughs> guess what? Jesus is God mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he can. Which I think for me something that's really interesting though is actually two things. Here it says, um, da, da, da. yeah, when, when he saw their faith, so the friend's faith, he, he says this to him and how much – can we have faith for people? Does that make sense? Like Jesus, yes, Jesus, that's an interesting thought. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. like Jesus heals him to some degree, not because of his face, faith, but because of theirs. Like, it's his as well. But there's definitely this element that says he sees their faith. If you're going to carry a paralytic person mm. from however far they carried him, mm. if you're then going to problem solve how to get him up onto the roof <laughs> yeah. and get him up there, and he's not going to be light. And then if you are going to tear the roof off and lower him down, mm. you're not doing that unless you have faith. Yeah, fully. You're not doing that unless you fully believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so do we? Ha- how much ability do we have to carry people? Either, either and, and then, this is just kind of connected in my head too, I find it interesting that the scribes and Pharisees are here and Jesus seems to often rebuke them because they, they won't go out of their way to help the people. I just find it a really different, uh, really interesting um, distinction between the groups here. That yeah, some of them are like, 
This is going to be annoying. It's going to be hard, but we're going to do it. We are going to get you to Jesus. And then you have this group of people who are there being like, oh, I don't know about this guy. Like he's uh, he's mingling with the people. Like we don't want to mingle with the people, but we, we'll be here. It's just, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. Wow. There's so much that you can get out of these stories when you start to look at what's, you know, everything, the, the totality of the circumstances. Oh, the best. I love Jesus stories. Yes. Like blatant Jesus stories, the whole Bible. Yes. Know, reveals who Jesus is. But. Okay, so Jesus heals this guy's sins. He's not complaining. He, he's happy. He's satisfied with that. Yeah. He's not asking for healing of his, you know. And you kind of, it kind of gives the impression, you know, what kind of a conscience was this guy carrying for a long period of time? Mm. That he is so relieved to have his sins forgiven that he's not even saying, yes, but, okay, please heal my legs. Yeah. He's not even going there. He's just like super thankful to have his sins forgiven. And and he's like, okay, that's good. That's it. That's good. I, I, I'm happy. Mm. So this guy's been carrying a guilty conscience for a long time and no doubt, you know, in the prosperity gospel of the day, it's been drummed into him, you're a great sinner. Yeah. You are a great sinner. You are going to hellfire. There is no hope for you. You are completely lost and gone. Uh, to have a disease that is this bad... You must have committed a terrible sin. And the thing that will play in your mind is this. doesn't matter how big or small your sins are. If you believe that you know something is happening because of those sins, they're just going to be, whatever those sins are, they're going to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in your mind so that they're way infinitely bigger than the really big sins mm. in your mind than the really big sins that the Pharisees are committing. Because when you're told this has happened to you because you have sinned, well, we've all sinned. Mm. And we're all going to think of sins and go, yeah, you know what? We have sinned and those must be really bad sins. Okay, then uh, Jesus addresses the Pharisees. He's like, well, you know, what's harder to do? So your <laughs> sins are forgiven or heal the guy? You know, mm. and they're not saying anything. Mm. You know, they're kind of a little bit gutless, these, these, this bunch. They just sort of stand there and say, and say anything and, and they're watching because, like, well, what are they going to say? Because they say, well, no, 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 you can't forgive your sins because we don't believe you can heal him either. They kind of know that Jesus is about to heal him, mm. you know. So they can't be like, well, you know, if – and when Jesus says, you know, which is harder, to forgive sins or to heal him, they're not going to challenge Jesus on the healing because they've seen him do it many, 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 many times before. Mm. It okay. must be, you know, but for them, it must be trippy too when they're thinking something in the head and then Jesus comes out with, why do you think this? And they're like, oh, we didn't even say anything. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed. Sometimes, you know, they may have thought it was a good guess, but at other times, they knew he was reading their thoughts. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we have been talking about the story of the paralytic. Let's now go to Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. Mark 5 and verse 25. Oh, by the way, we had somebody who called through with a comment that the man could have been let down through a trapdoor in the roof. Yes. Now, this is actually a very, very relevant comment because they did often have flat roofs and they did often use those roofs as a balcony. Mm -hmm. In fact, in hot weather, they would sleep up there you go to Egypt today where they have very similar traditional architecture and they have very hot weather 
And everybody's sleeping on their roof at night. Mm, so they might not have had to rip up anything at all. Yeah, maybe they just open a trap door and let them down. This is, I've not thought of this before. I'm going to have to look deeper into the text <laughs> and find out whether there are any clues there. Mm. But maybe it was just a trap door. That would have made it's an option. very, very easy. And it would have made it a more viable option. I, I, I still don't think you're going to let a whole stretcher down through a trap door. Mm. Uh, I'm still saying that he got let down with a blanket <laughs> under his arms. Yeah. And, and it's I'm still hard work to, to get him up to the top. Like oh, that part is still. Absolutely. No yeah. question. Because, you know, even if they've got ladders or steps going up there at some point, you know, further on down the street, that's still a challenge. Oh, yeah. Try that with a guy on a stretcher sometime and see if there's not a challenge. Okay, Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 34. Okie dokie. So now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she, became, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of them, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude throwing around you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I love this story. <laughs> this is an awesome story. Imagine what this poor woman has gone through. Mm. She's basically been menstruating for, what was it, 12, 12 years? 12 years. That's horrific. That's horrendous. Yes. I'm just like, when I read that, I was like, oh, buddy. Oh, even, it's just awful. Even any physical sickness, like I don't know if you... If you it's debilitating. Yeah. And to just continue on and like no doctors are helping you, You've you've wasted all your money trying and there's still just nothing. Like you get to the point of just no hope. Mm. Okay, so she comes to Jesus and once again we find that Jesus is in one of these areas where he's packed in, jammed in in a street. Mm. Once again we can think of ourselves as being in a big crowd, you know, being on that jammed in train or being in uh, some of the big crowds that used to gather for – Fireworks on New Year's Eve under the Sydney Harbour Bridge mm. where you are in very close personal space with all kinds of random people because you are literally just jammed, jam-packed in like sardines. Mm. And so Jesus is in this kind of environment. He's trying to make headway up the street and he says, who touched me? That sounds like the most ridiculous thing to say ever. Yeah. Yeah. Because the disciples are like, um, everyone, anyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone is touching you right now. But this is actually to me such a fascinating aspect is they're literally physically bumping shoulders with the Son of God mm-hmm. and they think he's great. That's why they're all there. Right? That's right. But they don't perceive something that's so important that they can physically be t- and still be compl- like dismissing it. Where yes. she – actually, am I wrong in thinking that because of her – problems she shouldn't have actually been around people is that right because if you had okay we're gonna we're gonna answer that in a future quad oh, yeah okay. i'm gonna save okay. that for a future quad yeah, cool uh it is coming up but because she, but, it is a quad that has been sent in and we are going to look at these kind of issues for question of the day in, yeah in case you're wondering what quad is question of the day yeah but still she she 
sees in Jesus something that all the ones who are all around him, they just don't get. Even though they're like, oh, he can heal things. But but she's like, I just need to touch his clothing. Yes, that's so, right. You know, this is a fundamental difference in mentality. Okay, so you've got two groups of people here. And I want you to think about this. Mm. You've got a bunch of people that see the value of Jesus. Yes, yeah. They, they see value in Jesus. They're like value in what he has to say, value in what he has to share. So they see value in him. Mm. And they are bumping into him. Mm. And then you have one person. Who connects? Because the difference between this lady and everybody else was everybody else was bumping into Jesus and she connected. Mm. And when she connected, Jesus knew she had connected. Yeah. There's an object lesson there for us. When you go through your day, do you see value in Jesus? Yeah. Do you bump into Jesus throughout the day? Yeah. Wake up. I'm a Christian. Spend some time in the Word, spend some time in prayer, have a bit of a bump into Jesus, move through the day, etc. But do you actually connect with Jesus? Mm, that's powerful. There's a difference between seeing value and bumping and actually having a vital living connection. Mm. And this woman had a vital living connection with Jesus Christ. Yeah, and when she has that vital living connection, of course, then Jesus wants to know who who it is. It's like, yeah, hey, everyone's been bumping into me. This is um, interesting. And then it's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just healed somebody. Who was that? Do you think this was because he wanted to know, or because he wanted the others to understand? Oh, absolutely, because he wanted the sake. others. Yeah, you know, and he wanted to he wanted to uh, you know to honor this woman for her faith as well. Mm. You know, and to be able to demonstrate her faith to the people around him. Mm. I love that he actually calls her out, probably knowing that she is a little bit terrified. Yes, you know, like it's she's not like, oh yeah, let me tell you my story. She's like, oh no, I just wanted to like get healed and get out. <laughs> yeah, because it's not like the kind of thing that you want to talk about. No, but yet there's so much power in the testimony. Yeah, that the people need, even if the people don't know they need it. <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I have no understanding of this whatsoever at all. But I can't imagine. Wanting to say, let me tell you about, tell you my testimony about my mm. 12-year period. Mm. Fully. But I think any, any story of shame that we have is a similar thing. Like sometimes it's hard to see past your shame to the grace that God has given that is far bigger than that. Yeah, And there's no shame involved in the period. It's just the culture Culturally, has created that. That's Culturally right. there was that's shame. Right. No question about that. The important lesson that we can learn from both of these situations is that Jesus is not just interested in their physical healing, He's interested in their spiritual healing and he ministers to both of them at a spiritual level. We um, haven't been called just to make healthy sinners but to lead people to Jesus Christ. Mm. Everything we should do should be with an agenda to lead somebody to Jesus Christ and to having a vital connection with him. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.